Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It's 10.43 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is the 4th of November, 2022. And this is episode 640 of Bitcoin and 640 on the 4th day of November. Howdy to you, man. Howdy to you. How's it going out there? You you know how it's going out here? It snowed last night and now it's raining. Yeah, I have very rarely in my life ever seen that shit before, so... Uh, inland Pacific Northwest. It's, it's an interesting trip. Uh, it it is very, it's a very interesting, uh, place to be. Okay. So what do we got going on today? Well, uh, I don't know. Let's, uh, check in on boostograms and see what's going on there. Usually I got this shit lined up, but, uh, today I do not because you know, it's Friday. What what are you going to do? It's, it's, it's Friday. And I mean, it's like, hey, I've made it a full week for the first time in a while. I've made it a full week of doing the show. Maybe I get to slip back into how this is working when I was still out in the Panhandle of Texas area. All right, let's see here. Letter 6173 with the striper boost says, prepare yourselves. More inflation is coming. <gasps> Shocker. Oh, I had no idea that more inflation was coming. Say it isn't so, my brother. Say it isn't so. Fat Toshi with the big fat 5,000 Satoshis says, Would someone please put all the links to the articles David reads in the boosts? I'll tip any such boost. Obviously, David won't read a bunch of URLs. I know this is done by Twitter, but I'm dumb. E.g. one week after the show, I want to put my hands on an article Twitter doesn't work great for that. Actually, Fatoshi, it did. Kind of. Let me explain. Um, I use something called TweetDeck. And now I'm using Twitter's version of TweetDeck because they, they kind of bought it or something like that from the guy that originally designed it. But it allows me multiple columns. Like I've got my Bitcoin list in a column and then right next to it is like my profile so I can see what I've been tweeting out right next to that is messages. Uh, so I can see that and I can see this all on one screen, by the way, and it's tweetdeck.twitter.com, by the way. And then on the, my fourth column is notifications, right? So I can see all this shit at once. Now, before they, this is sort of a beta of Twitter's version of TweetDeck, whereas the original TweetDeck well, I can't remember the guy's name, but uh, he was the guy that set it up to to do all this col- columnar view uh, style. And it w- it's really great. I switched over to using the Twitter tweet deck because I know they're going to deprecate the old tweet deck, right? So I might as well get used to using the new one. In the old one, I literally used to be able to move tweets from something that I tweeted 
over to a special column that I had that this new tweet deck doesn't have so that I could place all the news articles. And so they're used to, I used to have that. So I used to tweet it out all the time. And there was a couple of people that asked me, they said, hey, do you have all these articles that you read all in a list? And I used to be able to say, why, yes, I do. Why, yes, I do. And now I don't because Twitter, of all the, the functionality that they decided was a good idea to strip, was the ability for me to take one of my tweets from my I just tweeted column and roll it over into this permanent list that sort of kept track of what I post, like the articles that I posted for the show. And I would post, I used to tweet them all out. And once I tweeted them out, I'd move them to this column. So they were all in a line. They all had, you know, uh, date stamps on it and the whole ball of wax. And now I can't do that. And it sucks. It really does. So I just, I wish I could direct you to, to doing that, but I, you know, I don't know, maybe I can make a group. Maybe I'll try that, make a group and anybody that wants to join the group, I'll just keep the group open if they, if you want and see if I can just place what it is that I tweet out for the articles that I do over there in the group and you can see them. I'll give that a shot, Fatoshi. I'm not sure if it's going to work the way that I think it's going to work because (laughs) almost nothing does work the way that I think it's going to work. Pitar with the big fat 5,000 Satoshi says, seeing the magic number 33 is a news report in a news report is something that Adam Curry and John Dvorak like to notice and point out on their podcast, No Agenda. As far as I know, it doesn't mean anything specific except that it's an auspicious number that shadowy people, quote, in the know, end quote, would use to signify a psyop or conspiracy is in effect. And I seem to remember there was this one thing that I remember about the number 33, and I think it has something to do with the Masonic Lodge. Hold on. Masonic... 33. I think there are levels of, yeah, Freemason and the number 33, Fraternal Ties. A 33-degree Mason is apparently the highest degree in the order of the Masonic Lodge that you can get to. And of course, the conspiracies tied to the Masonic Lodge, Freemasons, the Illuminati, and all that kind of shit, you know, that that's all on that Alex Jones side of the, of the tinfoil hat. I have my own side of the tinfoil hat. It's not that I disagree with what, you know, with the possibility that there's Illuminati and Freemasons are, you know, weirder than we think. I just don't know. I, you know, my, um, my stepdad was a Mason. And other than being a horrendous drunk that owned a junkyard, I didn't really see anything all Illuminati about him. But that doesn't mean that he probably wasn't just there for the chicks. Of course, <laughs> There pretty much aren't any chicks in the Freemasons, anyway. So that's that's sort of my retort uh, about where thir- you know one of the reasons why thirty three is a weird number. It doesn't really matter because it doesn't really affect anything. You know what does affect shit? What does affect shit is that Mastodon has gained seventy thousand users after Musk's Twitter takeover. And Wilfred Chan from New York, who's writing this piece, which I'm not going to read. This is just a screenshot of the headline. Uh, he joined them. And here's what Wilfred Chan in New York thinks um, Macedon is. He says, the platform is home to a devoted base 
of left-leaning communities, and no one billionaire can control it. Well, he's half right. <laughs> can you guess which half he's wrong about? <laughs> I mean, have you been in the Fediverse? There, I mean, you want to talk about people freely using every word that mainstream media will put you on, nail you to a cross for speaking. It flows freely like a river. The N-word. I mean, misogyny is all over the place. Plus, anime porn, actual porn. You, I mean, this is why I never go to my federated timeline. I don't want to see most of this shit. I have my own timeline, just very much like my Bitcoin list, where I only see the shit from the people that I put on that list. All right. And that makes it much more digestible. And I kind of know what's coming. But if you switch over to the federated feed, because you can do that, and I won't explain the differences right here, <coughs> but it's sort of like the difference between looking at your Twitter timeline and if you know how to use Twitter lists, the difference between your timeline and your actual Twitter list. There are, there's a curated world of difference. Curated is the operative word because you're curating what it is that you want to see. My wife accuses me of living in a bubble. I, I, why am I, should I be forced to look at something that I don't want to look at? I, I, I'm not going to call, I, I'm not the guy that called up Twitter crying because my feelings got hurt because somebody mispronounced me or something like that. No, I just choose not to listen to those guys. It's called a mute and a block. And if you don't know how to use it, then you probably should not be on any kind of computer whatsoever and should just be digging a hole or something. I don't, I don't know, but I, I don't mind muting and blocking and then curating a list. But be that as it may, the federated list basically just pours in shit from all the little different federations that make up Mastodon because it's a federation, right? You're a federated node. I can run a federated node right now if I want to, but I choose to be on bitcoinhackers.org, which is Rodolfo Novak's instance of it. That's his window into the Fediverse. But if I hit the federated feed on Mastodon, which is one way of looking into the Fed, the Fediverse, then I get shit that, that no human being should ever really look at. And here we have this guy who thinks that Mastodon is a devoted base of left-leaning communities. I don't know how wrong this guy is, but I'll tell you who thinks he is right. And that's Kathy, Kathy Griffin. Yes, the old red-haired comedian that decided that it'd be a real good idea to hold up a decapitated head of Donald J. Trump. And of course, she wasn't canceled. And it doesn't matter if you like Orange Man or if you hate Orange Man. Holding up a decapitated head and getting away with it without nary a blink by mainstream media where I get completely deleted from Twitter for saying mass formation uh, hypnosis several times on New Year's Eve. No, no, no. I I get the axe. But Kathy Griffin, she could do whatever the fuck she wants. And she's gone over to the Fediverse. And here is her first post from Kathy Griffin, which is at Kathy Griffin at mstdn.social if you want to go follow her over on Mastodon. Thank you for following me. I don't know how verification works. So I'm just going to put on a completely unretouched photo from the photos 
in my damn iPhone. I mean, I'm the only one who has those. There's so much wrong here. Her second sentence in her introduction was about verification. That's the bubble. People accuse me of putting myself in a bubble. Holy shit. At least my bubble contains other bubbles. This chick. No, dude. Her second sentence is is worried about verification. She really liked that blue check mark. But that's not all. Check out her very second post, which is a reply to American LD Pod says, I know, like, please don't tell me this app is going to turn out to be owned by a white militia in Michigan or something. Here they come, folks. Here they come. It is like the exodus of the Jews out of fucking Egypt. And they're crossing the Red Sea. And Moses, the Kathy Griffin herself, is holding up the staff, splitting it, saying, come with me. We will leave these people to themselves. And we will go to the new lands. And we will wander in the desert for 40 fucking years and damn near starve to death until it starts snowing manna. Follow me to the new promised land of left-leaning communities. I don't quite think Kathy Griffin and this other jackass from New York really understands what it is they're about to get into. So far, they haven't really gotten a lot of pushback, but just wait. Because if you, like me, have spent any time whatsoever in the Fediverse, holy shit. It is a complete, it is a stark difference between Twitter and the reality that is Fediverse, which is basically anybody tells anybody else exactly what they think without any filters at any given time for any given reason. And they don't really give a shit what that person thinks, because guess what? Even if their own admin of that particular instance that they're on decides that they need to be deleted, they will get deleted except you can take your shit with you when you go. Although that's very difficult. So it's always, it's always a good idea to have, you know, multi, like a, a identities on multiple instances in the Fediverse because that can still happen. You can still get deleted. But like, if I tell Kathy Griffin to fuck off and have fun standing up against the wall, which is going to probably happen one of these days, Rodolfo Novak is probably not going to delete my account because Rodolfo Novak thinks a lot like I do. And that's why I'm on his instance, right? I doubt seriously he's going to kick, kick me off. Now, if I start posting, I don't know, like really horrible pornography. Yeah, Rodolfo Novak is going to kick my ass off of his instance, but I can go to another instance. See, this is not anything like Twitter. And these people that are coming over from Twitter are going to have an education real fast. And I'd like you to be their teacher. I'd like you to be their teacher. Go, go, go out there. You go get a Macedon instant or either make an instant yourself or get on somebody else's instance and uh, go find these people. And here's a place where you can tell them what you really think about them and have almost zero fear of being canceled. Actually, you have zero fear of being fully canceled because you can always have another identity on another instance and have all the same access to the Fediverse that you did in the first place. You really, if you haven't gotten on Macedon or the into the Fediverse through some 
portal, I highly recommend that you go ahead and do that. Because as we're going to see later on in the show, Elon's doing some weird shit. But first, let's do some shit with Bitcoin. We've got this one, iProtos, or Protos.com rather. And it's written by, oh no, Protos staff. And the headline is, is Sam Bankman Fried's crypto trading firm Alameda Research broke? If you haven't heard about what's going on, there are some serious rumblings about what's going on with FTX, Alameda Research, and both of those are Sam Bankman Fried's outfits. Let's find out more. Coindesk has obtained financial documents belonging to Alameda Research that provide an unprecedented view into its financial positions and entanglement relationship with sister company FTX. As of June 30th, Alameda had approximately $14.6 billion in assets with approximately $8 billion in liabilities document reveals. The balance sheet may not represent the entirety of Alameda, but it, it paints a picture of a trading firm whose apparent growth and success has come from investments in assets very closely tied to FTX, the cryptocurrency exchange run by its founder, Sam Bankman Fried. Currently, Tokens on Alameda's balance sheet that have a market on FTX are valued 50% less than the current price on FTX. FTT, or rather the FTX token, is an exchange token issued by FTX which allows users to receive a discount on the trading fees that they pay and can earn additional commissions on referrals. FTX regularly buys and burns tokens equivalent to one-third of all fees generated. Using this metric, Alameda Research has $3.66 billion worth of unlocked FTT and an additional $2.16 billion in FTT collateral. As of June the 30th, a total of $5.82 billion in FTT tokens stood alone on its balance sheet. Remember, we're talking about Alameda Research's balance sheet. However, the market cap of FTT was $3.32 billion on that day. Alameda Research was valuing the FTT it held at approximately 160% of the total market cap of FTT, suggesting that the true value of those assets are much less. Although this difference is partially due to variances between how coin market cap and FTX calculate circulating supply. Regardless, it seems that it was overvalued on the balance sheet, especially considering the difficulty in finding adequate buyers in a market where Alameda would be forced to sell. Amidst fears that exchange tokens could be considered securities, Protos filed a Freedom of Information Act request with the Securities and Exchange Commission for any documentation related to investigations of FTX US for selling unregistered securities. Our request was denied. The SEC cited an exemption which protects files com what uh hold on I got a weird, oh yeah, uh, protects files compiled for law enforcement purposes. Let that sink in. Sam Bankman Fried has not hesitated to use his platform to promote FTT. As recently as October the 10th, he tweeted a screenshot of the FTX interface that shows an order of 2,732,437 and a half dollars worth of FTT. 
Bankman Fry did make sure to disclose the post was not financial advice, but it remains to be seen how much that protects him. Alameda Research clearly has immense exposure to the exchange that was started by its co-founder and financially benefits from fees at FTX, which are used to buy and burn FTT token. It's important to highlight that the investment activities of Alameda Research are separate from the investment activities of FTX Ventures, another crypto venture capital firm linked to FTX. FTX, FTX Ventures, and Alameda all maintain that they operate independently, though there is clearly reason to cast doubt on the nature of that interdependence, or rather, independence. The rest of the assets also leave questions as to their true value. The exact contents of the crypto held are not made clear, but Coindesk did say that SRM, MAPS, Oxy, and FIDA are mentioned. SRM is the token for Serum, which was co-founded by Bankman Fried. SRM, MAPS, and Oxy have all lost large portions of their value since the end of June, yet FIDA is somewhat up. In addition, Alameda holds large amounts of soul. $863 million is locked and another uh, 900, no, sorry, $292 million worth of it is unlocked. It's not clear what the $2 billion in equity securities are made up of or what they might be worth now. It's possible that some portion of that is ownership in FTX and another portion is likely some of the crypto firms that Alameda has invested in. Many crypto companies, both public and private, have seen their valuation struggle over the recent crypto winter. It's also not clear how much of it is in public equities, which could easily be liquidated, and what would be more of a challenge to liquidate. Against these assets and others that were not revealed in the Coindesk report, Alameda has approximately $8 billion in liabilities, dominated by $7.4 billion in loans. Loans, people. You know what I've been harping on all week long? Yeah, dragging the legacy financial way of thinking into the future does not fucking mix. Protos previously reported on some of Alameda Research's counterparties for loans, including at one point having borrowed $1.6 billion from Voyager. But we do not know the identities of all its counterparties. It's not clear what the specific terms are for these loans and when they would be at risk of liquidation. The relative illiquidity of Alameda is somewhat surprising against the spate of rumored and in-progress acquisition bids that have been entered by Alameda and FTX across the ecosystem. However, previous analysis by Protos has shown that many of these offers are structured carefully to reduce the overall investment needed by Alameda, Sam Bankman-Fried, and FTX. Alameda Research is one of the most important trading firms in all of cryptocurrency, with previous protest investigations revealing that Alameda was one of the two largest issuers of the controversial Tether token, receiving in excess of $31 billion worth of Tether as of November of 2021. You know, remember when Bitcoin was about $69,000? <laughs> The crypto markets are still recovering from the collapse of another trading firm, Three Arrows Capital. It was liquidated by multiple lenders after ghosting, who found themselves unable to pay their lenders as cryptocurrency markets plummeted following the inevitable collapse of the Terra Luna ecosystem. 
Voyager and BlockFi cited 3AC's inability to pay creditors as direct contributors to their current difficulties. Hopefully, all lenders who maintain exposure to crypto trading firms have recognized the risks and are being much more cautious with the loans that they are issuing to firms that are not 3AC. Okay. Doubts, there's a lot of stuff to digest there, but it seems that the gist of it is that Alameda Research's balance sheet is misrepresenting how much value is actually there and actually in a state of liquidity. This does not bode well at all. All right, shit rolls downhill and who's at the bottom of the hill? Alameda Research. Who is at the top of that hill? Terra Luna. And along the way, that shit ball ran over Three Arrows Capital uh, and a whole host of other people. I mean, I won't even get into the list. Miners and like traders and lenders and V, you know, smaller venture capital type guys. The bodies of the dead are strewn upon the mountainside, but the shit ball is still rolling downhill and is picking up ever more steam. I have a sneaky suspicion that this is what's going to happen. Sam Bankman Frieds, FTX, and Alameda Research are going to blow the fuck up. And when they do, you're going to see another immense dip in cryptocurrency prices across the board. It would not surprise me at all even after today's Bitcoin rally, and I don't know if it's still going on because I haven't seen the price yet, but we were topping 21260 bucks this morning. Um, it would not surprise me at all if I didn't see $17,000, $16,000 Bitcoin, possibly fifteen. dollars Some people have called for fourteen. If Alameda and FTX blow the fuck up, and I expect that they will because their exposure to toxicity and radioactive crap is clearly very high. You're going to see another rundown in Bitcoin and you better psychologically prepare your balls, your brains, and your heart to take on that. Right? This is not investment advice. And apparently that doesn't matter anymore. I can still get sued, whatever. Come at me, bro. I'm just saying, be prepared to take another hit in the gut. If you can't do it, if you can't stomach another run down, this is not the time for you to be in Bitcoin. Okay? I'm just, I'm trying to protect you. I'm not trying to tell you that you're weak. I'm not trying to tell you that you're dumb or that you're not as strong as I am. That has nothing to do with it. Right? These are facts. We need to be a fact-driven audience. We need to react appropriately and with logic given facts. And it looks to me that Sam Bankman fried has put his Alameda research company in a position to hold a shitload of toxic and radioactive debt that was generated by FTX. And both of them are going to go. If he had just kept it on FTX somehow or, or spun off another company, Alameda Research might be okay. But looks to me like Alameda Research is in real trouble. Now, on to greener pastures. 
Fidelity opens a wait list for commission-free Bitcoin trading. Yay! It's Bitcoin Magazine, and it's written by Nomsios. Financial services behemoth Fidelity Investment has opened access to a wait list for its Bitcoin trading offering, according to its website. Users can express interest in the product offered by its subsidiary Fidelity Digital Assets by signing up on the web's, sorry, the firm's webpage. The product will waive commission fees, an attempt to compete with popular cryptocurrency exchanges such as Binance that have recently launched zero-fee trading. Fidelity, however, will charge a 1% spread fee. Fidelity has, for the past year, taken longer strides in the cryptocurrency sector. The asset manager, one of the world's largest, with over $4.5 trillion, with a T, in assets under management as of September 2022, offers institutional products through Fidelity Digital Assets, including a spot Bitcoin ETF in Canada, but the firm's new moves would cater to all the retail investor group. Now investors get a glimpse of that future as Fidelity opens up the waiting list for the offering. In addition to trading, the asset manager will also offer custody services for customers' Bitcoin holdings as it seeks to capitalize on the learning curve involved in self-custody. While U.S. citizens might find it convenient to invest in Bitcoin through Fidelity's offerings, the inability to withdraw funds to a self-custodial wallet might push some investors away. As a digital native peer-to-peer currency system, Bitcoin's true value proposition is only achievable through proper self-custody, which enables independence and freedom. In any case, Fidelity's offering surely has a market to target and a growing one, as many in America start getting curious about and demanding some exposure to BTC. Historically, users have for the most part leveraged cryptocurrency-specific exchanges for their Bitcoin buys. However, banks and other financial institutions have grown in awareness as they saw millions, if not billions of US dollars flying out of customers' checking accounts and into the likes of Coinbase and Gemini. In a bid to capture some of that capital, some traditional finance firms have quickly pivoted to launch Bitcoin investing products of their own. In addition to Fidelity, BlackRock, the world's largest asset manager, also recently dipped its toes into the Bitcoin market. BlackRock's plans were first heard of in February 2022, but it wouldn't be until August that the $10 trillion in asset under management firm would launch its Bitcoin trading product. BlackRock also launched a spot Bitcoin private trust in that same month. So there you go. Looks like Fidelity inching ever closer. And you should inch ever farther away from doing business with Fidelity until at such time they allow you to custody your own Bitcoin with your own private keys that they have no say in, which means you need to be able to withdraw it from Fidelity. And right now, that's not going to happen. Don't do that. Only do business with people who want to do business with you. And that means they are going to allow you to take your Bitcoin from their hot little hands and put it into your hot little hands under the safety of your own key and not any keys that they control whatsoever. Let's run the numbers. CNBC, futures and commodities, oil, West Texas. Uh, let's see. Woo, wow. 4.23% to the upside, ladies and gentlemen. We are now back up above $90 at $91.90 for West Texas Intermediate. Brent North Sea, likewise up three and a half points 
to $98, almost going to touch another $100 situation, y'all. Natural gas is up 6.5% to $6.36 per 1,000 cubic feet. Gasoline, 1% to the upside, $2.72. Every shiny metal rock is gleaming like a son of a bitch right now. Gold up 2.83% to $1,677. Silver, however, is kicking everybody's ass because it's up damn near 7%. Platinum is up Oh God, 4%. Oh no, copper just turned it around, bro. 7.5% to the upside. Palladium is up almost 3%. Agricultural futures are all up. And the biggest winner is cotton with 4.65% to the upside. And the next one down is going to be coffee. Damn near 2% to the upside. S&P. Whoa, sorry, no, that was weird. Dow wasn't there for a second. Uh, Dow is down 0.14%. S&P is down 0.24%. NASDAQ is down 0.5%. S&P mini is up 0.11%. So equities moving sideways, probably, yeah, they're probably waiting to see what happens on Monday because everybody's got to let the whole 75 basis point rate hike from the Fed sink in. And I don't think that they're ready to make any major moves just yet. So we may see equities move sideways for quite a while. Uh, I may be wrong about that. You know why? Because I'm not a trader. Ah, $20,816. Wow, is Bitcoin's price right now. And that's after 2.17 million BTC traded hands in the last day. Uh, 8.22 BTC was the average transaction value. Median transaction value is 0.021 BTC or about 425 bucks. Block times are high, 10 minutes, 31 seconds. 0.12 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis, 17.36 taken in fees overall in the last 24 hour period. With a 13.31% rise in hash rate, we are at 280 exahashes per second. Jesus Christ, it won't stop. Hold on, I got to check on this. I'm going to the graph. I'm going. I'm going to the graph right freaking now. On the graph for bitinfocharts.com, Bitcoin hash rate historical chart. The last peak that I can see is uh, October the 9th. 279.69 exahashes per second. So at 280 exahashes per second, we have now made yet another all-time high, ladies and gentlemen. And Dogecoin, oh, poor little Dogecoin, 12.4 United States pennies. That may be because I heard rumor that uh, Twitter has halted production on uh, the Dogecoin wallet for Twitter. I don't know if that's true. If it is true, tell me in a boostergram. Yeah, tell me in a boostergram. Now, there are, woo, damn near 20,000 transactions waiting on 12 blocks to clear. Uh, $398.9 billion of market cap is 3.6% of gold's entire market cap. And we can still purchase 12.5 ounces of shiny metal rocks with our one Bitcoin, of which there are 19 million. 
198,029.67 of. And 5,128.8 of those are locked in the Lightning Network, valued at one point, nope, nope, $106.6 million, being run over 16,480 nodes, sporting 78,322 payment channels. And 66.9 of all of that is being run over Tor's associated 11,665 nodes. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. The IRS prepares for an increase in crypto cases in the upcoming tax season. Savannah Fortis tells us all about the criminal behavior of the United States federal government from Cointelegraph. Let's see. Let's get to it. The United States Internal Revenue Service criminal investigation. Yeah, they should investigate themselves. Uh, they're, they're ramping up for the tax season with its sights set on the crypto community. According to a report from Bloomberg Law, the division chief Jim Lee said they are preparing hundreds of crypto-involved cases, many of which will soon be available to the public. Lee said in the last three years, there has been a major shift in digital asset investigations conducted by the IRS. Previously, these investigations were mostly money laundering related, whereas now tax-related cases make up nearly half. This includes what is often called off-ramping transactions where digital assets are exchanged for a fiat currency along with not reporting crypto payments. In a different report released by the agency on November the 3rd, the IRS reported that in 2022, the 2077 special agents of the division spent nearly 70% of their time investigating tax-related crimes like tax evasion and tax fraud while the other 30% was spent on money laundering and drug trafficking cases. The division chief said following the money is nothing new, and they're ready to pivot into new realms, including Web3. Quote, we've been doing it for more than 100 years, and we followed criminals into the dark web and now into the metaverse. Yeehaw! End quote. The report cited a crypto-related case as an example, which involved tracing billions, we're talking billions of dollars in Bitcoin stolen from Bitfinex after its 2016 hack and led to the arrest of two individuals. This comes after the IRS introduced a broader digital assets category ahead of the upcoming tax season. It grouped cryptocurrencies, stablecoins, and non-fungible tokens all together under a new digital asset category. As decentralized financial technologies and assets become more mainstream, regulators are reacting, therefore enforcing more reporting requirements. Re, or sorry, requirements. Binance has been actively holding workshops for global regulators to better understand digital assets and their implications, kissasses. These activities increased after the exchange hired a prominent IRS cybercrime investigator to lead its anti-crime unit. The dick sucking just won't stop, will it? You always thought that these people that were OG Bitcoiners, you know, they were going to they were going to change the world and they got flushed right down the toilet into I don't know, iniquity. Nobody will remember your name because you were not brave enough to stand up and do something. I don't know, man. Maybe all of us are like that. You know, we all talk a good game until, the, you know, the, the knock on the door, I guess. I mean, I'm, 
I'm not that much of an idiot. I want to be an idealist. I really do. But when the knock on the door comes, what will I do? I mean, that's if a knock on the door comes. I don't know if it's going to come or not. What would you do? I mean, you know, everybody like, what was, I saw a meme yesterday showed the little girl in Schindler's list that said that everybody said that they would be Schindler in Schindler's list if they lived in Nazi Germany. Well, nobody did except for Schindler. And apparently he wasn't even real. I guess I surely there was somebody who would the Schindler's list list life was based off of. I don't know. I'm confused now. I, I, I don't know who gives a shit anymore. But we saw what happened with the masking mandates and people pointing their fingers saying, you should lose your job because you're unvaccinated. And now we see the Atlantic just begging people not to put their ass up against the wall on a firing squad. You know, it's just, it's a shit show of immense proportions. And what I recommend to everybody is to stay as far away from it as possible. That doesn't mean bury your head in the sand. By all means, don't do that. You probably should look at it even, you know, even to the point where you have to tape your eyelids open because it's just too gruesome to actually witness, but we should probably know what's going on. But that doesn't mean that you got to stand right next to it, right? I mean, we, like my, I, I'll point at it and laugh, but I'm, I'm not going to wade into that bullshit. Okay. I'm just not going to do it. Well, what happens when the knock on the door comes about, Am I going to be OFAC compliant with my lightning node? I don't know. What I'm hoping is that I can just have a lightning node operating somewhere where I'm at that I can just reach from remote or that it just operates all by itself. And I have just set it in motion. It's like a set it and forget it thing. Like a grenade, you pull the pin and you throw it and you just hope it doesn't blow up all over your ass. You know, I don't know. My point is, is that none of us really know what the hell we're going to do until Mr. Bennett. Can you come out here, please? Nobody knows. We can say what we're going to do. We talk a big game. But like Binance hired this clown, you know, from the IRS to head up their anti-crime unit. Why? To kiss regulatory ass. You know, you thought CZ was going to be your hero. He's not. You thought Sam Bankman Fried was going to do something different. He's not. You thought all these assholes holding all these loans, you know, for their mining equipment because they're going to be part of the future. They weren't. You are, you or you can be. How? Run a Bitcoin full node. Take responsibility for that node. Make sure that node is always up and running. Spend a little bit of your time here upon this planet to enforce the rules of the Bitcoin network. If you do just that, just that, you're actually doing more than people like CZ are doing. I'm just saying. Elon Musk... We got to talk about the Twitter layoffs here. <clears throat> Helen Parts, Cointelegraph. Elon Musk faces a class action lawsuit over mass Twitter layoffs. You're fired, bitches. Amid Twitter beginning its mass layoffs, the company employees are launching a class action lawsuit wee, wee, against the new Twitter CEO, Elon Musk. According to multiple sources, Musk started massive layoffs at Twitter on November the 4th, reducing the company's workforce of 7,500 7, people. The CEO was speculated to cut as much as 
of Twitter's staff. Oh my God, Twitter's staff. Wait, 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 wait. Where were we? In response to the layoffs. Oh, sorry, hold on. Uh, hold on. Just a few days after acquiring Twitter for, for $44 billion on October the 27th. In response to the layoffs, Twitter employees filed a class action lawsuit against Musk in San Francisco federal court, Bloomberg reported. The suit argues that Twitter is violating federal and California laws by laying off employees without enough notice. Huh. Without enough notice. I wonder, I wonder exactly what that means. Because he's been telegraphing this for a while, but that's, I guess that's just not legal notice. I guess they're looking for, you know, for written, for written notice. Anyway, <clears throat> The, the, the action specifically refers to the Federal Worker Adjustment and Retaining Notification Act, which restricts large companies from mounting mass layoffs without at least 60 days of advance notice. Renowned civil rights attorney Lisa Bloom argued that Musk has completely ignored the law, which applies to all California employees of more than 75 employees. Quote, this WARN, the WARN law, applies to all California employers of 75 or more employees, which obviously includes Twitter with its thousands of employees. The purpose of the law is to give laid off employees time to figure out how to handle this disruption. And Elon completely ignores it, says Lisa Bloom. Shannon Liss Riordan, the attorney who filed the class action lawsuit on November the 3rd, said that all Twitter employees should be aware of their rights. The employees should not sign away their rights and that they have an avenue for pursuing their rights, the attorney noted. Liz Riordan is known for also suing Musk's electric car firm Tesla over similar claims back in June of this, of this same year, 2022, when Musk cut about 10% of its workforce. Tesla won the case in closed-door arbitration instead of in open court, while Musk reportedly described the Tesla lawsuit as trivial. Quote, it appears that he's repeating the same playbook of what he did at Tesla, Liz Riordan stated. The layoffs are part of many changes taking place at Twitter and must take over, including paid account verification. According to the reports, Twitter will start charging for Twitter verification starting on November the 7th. Guess that's on Monday. Mass dismissals are not exclusive to Twitter, as many companies around the world have been cutting workforce amid ongoing technology industries slowdown. Tech giants, including Meta, Amazon, Microsoft, and Google, have either been freezing hiring or cutting jobs for months. Many crypto companies have also been affected, adding to the impact of the ongoing bear crypto market. According to data compiled by crypto data provider CoinGecko, Cities like San Francisco, Dubai, and New York are the hardest hit by crypto layoffs in 2022 to date. The news comes after the New York Stock Exchange delisted Twitter on October the 28th amid the social media giant becoming a private company. Other crypto-friendly trading platforms like eToro and Robinhood also delisted Twitter shares from their platform. According to estimates from the research firm Bot Sentinel, Twitter may have lost more than a million users or 877,000 accounts since Musk's takeover. 
major global cryptocurrency exchange Binance invested $500 million to share or to take a share of equity at Twitter. Binance CEO Shang Peng Zhao said that the investment was a high potential in terms of monetization, free speech in the crypto community, as well as the opportunity to eventually help bring Twitter into Web3. Okay, that's going to do it for the article. But now we go out on the street and ask a Twitter employee, how does she feel about getting terminated today? Well, ma'am, I, I know that you're, you're sorry about this, but can you give us a few words about your thoughts of Elon Musk? Oh, I, I see. Um, do you, you want your bottle? Is that not, that's not going to work either. Okay. Okay. A binky, maybe a binky. You know what? I, I think you need your diaper changed. I'm just going to leave you to it so that we can go talk about clean spark. Bitcoin Magazine, Namcios writing this one, energy company turned miner produced a record 532 BTC in October. Okay, premise. I Last couple of days, I've been talking about energy companies diving into mining in a big, big way. And that I think that what we've seen so far is just the tiniest pimple on the ass of what is about to come. I think energy giants are just waiting until mass miner liquidations are at a peak and they're going to buy it all because it solves so many problems for them and they have the cash to buy it and they don't need loans to do it. I can't think of a better time for Exxon, Mobil, Chevron, Sinclair, Royal Dutch Shell, you name it. You, these guys are going to buy up all the liquidated miners and CleanSpark is among them. CleanSpark Incorporated, an energy company turned Bitcoin miner, produced a record amount of new BTC last month. The NASDAQ traded firm said in a statement sent to Bitcoin Magazine that it had mined 532 Bitcoin in October, representing a nearly 20% increase from its September production. In addition, the company also shared some updates on its immersion-cooled farm. Quote, I'm excited to announce that phase two of our immersion-cooled mining campus in Norcross is now officially complete and hashing. The progress there has translated into another record-breaking month for us, mining a total of 532 Bitcoin. And we've now seen a 20% increase in our hash rate two months in a row, said Zach Bradford, the CEO. CleanSpark has mined a total of... 3,622 BTC so far this year. However, the miner only holds 290 Bitcoin on its balance sheet as it has been selling most of its production to cover operating costs. In October, the firm sold 836 BTC to fund growth in operations at an average price of approximately $19,340 per Bitcoin to proceeds of $16.1 million US. While some Bitcoin miners have faced extreme hardship, since the digital currency's price tumbled earlier this year, CleanSpark has grown its business, scooping up miners and facilities at, a, at attractive prices. Earlier this week, the firm announced it had purchased nearly 3,900 Bitmain Ant Miner S19J Pro miners to its facility for $5.9 million, which translates to about 15 
uh, $1.50 per terahash. The price tag paid by CleanSpark is low, as according to data from mining services company Luxor Technologies, machines of such efficiency are currently selling out at about $23 per terahash. Last week, CleanSpark hiked its 2022 hash rate forecast by 10% to 5.5 exahashes per second from 5 exahashes per second. And as of October the 31st, 2022, the company's mining fleet operated with a hash rate of 5.1 exahashes per second, which is up 23% from September 2022. Daily Bitcoin mined reached 19.2 in October. Bye, bye, bye. Yeah, I have to agree with that. We're going to get some, some bias going on here, Kramer. Now, South Korean prosecutors accused Du Quan of manipulating terrorist price. <coughs> oh, say it isn't so. Braden Lindra from Cointelegraph. A local report from South Korea claims that the country's prosecutors have obtained evidence to suggest Terraform Labs co-founder Du Quan had once ordered an, an employee to manipulate the price of Luna Classic. <gasps> a report by Korean Broadcasting System on November the 3rd quotes an official from the South Korean prosecutor's office who said that they have obtained a conversation history in which CEO Kwan specifically ordered price manipulation. The report evidence came in the form of a messenger conversation between Kwan and a former Terraform Labs employee. Prosecutors did not disclose further details, noting, quote, I can't reveal details, but it was a conversation history where CEO Kwan specifically ordered price manipulation. Yes, sure. While the exact details of the price manipulation remain undisclosed, the price action of Terra's LUNC, formerly Terra Luna, during the last bull market was undoubtedly one of the most impressive across all cryptocurrencies. Its price rose over 2,800% from $4.18 in late May to its all-time high of $119.18 on April the 5th of 2022 before its cataclysmic fall on April the 30th, <clears throat> according to CoinGecko data. The report, however, notes that Quan's representative has continued to deny these allegations. Quan and his representatives have also previously denied allegation, uh, oh, sorry, alleged violations of South Korea's capital market law. In September, Terraform's lab said the case against his co-founder has become highly politicized and that prosecutors explain the definition of a security in response to public pressure. Quan's whereabouts ultimately continue to remain a mystery despite the Terra ecosystem co-founder previously arguing that he's not on the run. Previous reports have suggested Kwan first moved to South Korea from South Korea to Singapore before transitioning to Dubai, United Arab Emirates. The KBS report now suggests Kwan is residing somewhere in Europe and as of November the 3rd, without a valid passport. How would you know? Quote, Kwan, who has an arrest warrant, had his passport invalidated as of today, the report stated, adding Duquan is now an illegal immigrant wherever he is. The racist! My God, you're so racist! They're not, he's not an illegal immigrant. How can you say that? Well, you can say that apparently in this situation. Anyway, Duquan is now an illegal immigrant wherever he is in any country and he cannot travel legally between countries unless Duquan has another passport that he's operating under, in which case he can do whatever the fuck he wants because 
Who gets to say whether why your passport is okay and anybody else's passport is not? And, and, and why, you know, is it a fake passport? Oh my God, oh my God, you're an evil person. Probably not. It's probably somebody who just wants to be left alone. Why is that a crime? Now, if I am lit- clearly like, I don't know, trafficking children for the sex trade and I have a, a passport that's that's a complete fraudulent you know documentation, then yes, I'm a fucking evil person, but not because I have a fraudulent passport. It's because I'm trafficking children in a sex trade. That's what makes me evil. It's not the fake passport. I'm just saying, I don't think Duquan is actually as stuck as everybody thinks he is. I'm and, and by the way, it has not escaped my attention, ladies and gentlemen, that Dubai United Arab Emirates are part of this story, or at least potentially part of this story. They said that he might have transitioned to Dubai United Arab Emirates. What were we talking about yesterday? We were talking about the crypto queen, and now it looks as if Bulgaria and the United Arab Emirates may have had a huge part to play in that whole Ponzi scheme of the crypto queens. And here we have Duquan. And now there's a potential association with United Arab Emirates. You seeing a pattern? Are you seeing a pattern? We're looking square in the face of Alameda Research blowing the fuck up. Do you see a pattern? Do you? I'm starting to see a pattern. And then we have Canada. Oh my God. Quebec's energy manager is seeking government approval to stop powering crypto miners. As if they haven't shot themselves in the foot so many times before. Here we go with one more time. Turner Wright, Cointelegraph, Hydro Quebec, the firm managing electricity across the Canadian province of Quebec plans to reallocate energy supplied to crypto mining firms. According to a November 3rd tweet from Canadian lawmaker Paris Fitzgibbon, the government will request a decree from the Energy Board to release the company from its obligation to power crypto miners in the province. So we don't give a shit about contracts anymore, ladies and gentlemen. It's a legally binding contract between two parties enforceable under the auspices of law until you're the government and you can apparently break any contract you want for any reason you want without any repercussions whatsoever. You know, at this point, I wouldn't enter into a contract with any government unless they put a fuck ton of money up in escrow that was not under that government's control, like Bitcoin or something like that. I don't know. At this point, don't trust them. This is breach of contract and Hydro Quebec is not going to get in any trouble whatsoever because their termination of the contract with the crypto mining world and, or all the people that, that have contracts with Hydro Quebec that are in the Bitcoin mining world, they're going to have their contract terminated and there is nothing they can do about it. Hydro Quebec allocated 270 megawatts towards the mining firms, but electricity demand in Quebec is expected to grow to a point that powering crypto will put pressure on the energy supplier. 
the report Hydro-Quebec filed with the government's energy board on November the 1st said temporarily reducing the power provided to mining firms could help prevent threats to the reliability and security of energy for Quebec residents. The distributor reported it took into account the demands for electricity from green hydrogen cryptocurrencies and greenhouse farming. Quote, the additional energy needs in winter are high and this without the adoption of the load related to the balance of the block reserve for cryptographic use applied to blockchain, said Hydro-Quebec. There are anticipated energy purchases of nearly 3 terawatt hours in winter from 2025 and even exceeding 3 terawatts in 2027. Quote, never mind, that's in French, I can't read it. As part of the energy manager's plan for 2023 through 2032, Crypto firms were expected to grow by 0.7 terawatt hours, reaching a maximum power demand in 2028. Crypto miners in Quebec have been the subject of additional tariffs since March 2021 and also gave the provinces options to scale their operations so as to reduce the load on the power grid. Energy consumption is one of many factors crypto mining firms weigh when setting up shop, which has contributed to more than one United States state considering tax breaks for companies. Crypto adoption also seems to be growing across Canada, according to the Ontario Securities Commission. OSC CEO Grant Vingo said in October that, quote, more than 30% of Canadians plan to buy crypto assets this year. Well, gee, that's just great. With all that good news and all those people that, that you know, have interest in cryptocurrency in Canada and all those miners that set up shop, you know, no, screw, screw them all. They're just going to, they're just going to kill the contracts. They're just going to kill the contracts. Release the company from its obligation to power crypto miners. That is termination of contract. That's breach. I hope they get their asses sued, but that's probably not going to happen. Is there anything else we can do here before uh, we go? Oh, you know what? I was going to read this shit from Will McCurdy out of Decrypt, but I can't because he's asking why it was that if Michael Saylor was so smart that he should have bought Ethereum instead because uh, they would be up $1.6 billion and not down $1.3 billion if Michael Saylor had purchased Ethereum instead. And I'm going to let that one rattle around in your brain. And I want to, while that's rattling around in your brain, I want you to put this little BB pellet in there to rattle around as well. Is it only ever about profit and money? I mean, when I mean money in this case, I'm talking fiat money. Is that the only gauge that we can look at anymore? Have we become so short-sighted? Have we become so locked in our ways that the only way that we can think of something as good or bad is if it made a fiat profit or not? Does this man really think that Michael Saylor is that fucking stupid? Why would Michael Saylor want to be involved in nothing but OFAC compliant blocks? Because that's what Ethereum is. It's 100% OFAC compliant now. There was, you know, a few weeks ago, it was 34%. You know, a few weeks before, you know, a couple of, like right after the merge, it was like 15% OFAC compliant blocks were being mined. Now, more often than not, on a daily basis, 
100% of the blocks mined on Ethereum are OFAC compliant, which means that they are beholden to an offshore, unelected board of governors. There's the loss. Sure, I guess Michael Saylor, if he sold, if he had bought Ethereum and sold it all, could be $1.6 billion in profit. But it's just converting something else back into a clearly melting ice cube. I, I What I'm getting at here is, here, here's what I posit. Profit comes in many different forms. It's not... And I haven't been looking at fiat profit in quite a while because I look at fiat and I just say, this is just garbage. Why would I want more of it? See what I'm saying? Decrypt is really, I'm, I'm reading less and less from it because there's less and less good articles to read. It's all about board apes, NFTs, how Michael Saylor fucked up and how Ethereum and Kraken is launching 70 different NFT groups. That's literally everything that was in the decrypt.co uh, list of, of uh, God, headlines today. That's all it is anymore. And it's really sad because there was a time when decrypt was one of my go-to publications to source material for you guys. And now it's just a cesspool of NFTs and stupid looking apes and people losing their money, and it's just sad. I don't know, but that's going to do it for the Morning Roundup. Friday's joke from Dad says, Jokes, I accidentally drank a bottle of invisible ink last night. Now I'm at the hospital, waiting to be seen. Sometimes I wish I could do the same thing. Just drink a bottle of invisible ink to be left alone. Why is that so difficult? I just want to be left alone. You know, it's like, it's, ah, I don't know why that's so difficult for people to just leave each other alone and not force their weird bullshit upon everybody that they see. It's so strange. We live in a very strange time. We'll be lucky to live through it, but I think we will. I think we have the tools to do it. And it's not just Bitcoin. I've seen a huge, like most of the Bitcoiners that I know are all the people that I would have ever loved to hang out with since I was like five years old. Every, every time I meet a Bitcoiner, it's like I've known them for years. It's the weirdest thing, which makes me so goddamn sad that I don't have piles of cash to go to all the conferences. I, I, the only conference that I've ever been to is Bitblock Boom a couple of years ago. You know, and I got to, I got to, you know, talk to Matt O'Dell for a while. And I got to talk to, I got to talk to uh, Phil, uh, to Mr. Sue for a while. I got to sit down with him at least a couple of times at a table and just chit chat. You know, I got to talk to Fartface 2000. You know, I never met him. I didn't know any of these people's faces, but the minute we started talking, I was like going, it's like we're friends. And that's, you know, that's, uh, you know, I'm not alone in that. You've heard these stories from, from many other Bitcoiners before. 
But that's the thing that makes me so damn sad about not being just fabulously wealthy because I sure shit wouldn't be spending it on a goddamn Lambo. As much as I hate flying, I would figure out a way to get over it. It's not that I hate flying because I'm scared of it. I hate flying because the TSA has turned something that used to be the funnest thing I ever got to do when I was a kid into something that I absolutely dread and hate. That's why I hate flying. It's not because I'm scared of, you know, the turbulence or anything like that. I actually think that shit's kind of fun. I just hate flying because of the TSA and all the bullshit that you have to go through, but I would do it so that I could go, I, so that I could have gone to, you know, uh, Georgia to white Oak pastures so that I could have just picked up and, and gone, uh, hooked up with my friend, Texas slim in Boise when he was about five and a half hours away. But on that one, I actually, it was actually a uh, Halloween weekend and I'm, I'm not going to miss that shit with my kids. So that one probably would have gone out the window. You see what I'm saying though? I want to see all you guys. I want to meet all you guys. And uh, right now is just, eh, it's just not really work. You know, it's not really, I'm not really in the financial position that I should be in, but you know, whose fault is that? That's, that's actually my fault. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. I'm just saying if I, somebody asked me if, Bitcoin's price went to like a million dollars a coin, would you just disappear? And the answer was no, you'd actually see more of me. You know, I probably wouldn't go to, to you know, the Bitcoin conference in Miami because it's just too big, but I would go to every BitBot boom. I would go to all of the beef initiative stuff and um, I would go to Riga. I was like, I've never actually given a shit about going to Europe, but I would go to Riga just to see you guys. One of these days, that's going to happen. Maybe on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.